Grace and peace be mollified from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ on each of us here in our in our assembly as we are assembled here this morning. I trust we're here as vessels of the Almighty God. I desire to be nothing more and nothing less. And I think that goes for every one of us. That... Uh, as you serve God Almighty, that your, um, your desire and your realization of your service to Him would be just that. You be what God wants you to be. As far as the message this morning, I have a, uh, a text in uh, Proverbs 23, verse 23. I'd like to use for a theme of the message. And I'll just read that verse. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The theme of the message will be the first part of that verse. Buy the truth and sell it not. I have a couple of questions for you to think about. As we go through the message, and as we consider that, have you bought the truth? What has it cost you? And what would you take for it? Just ask yourself those questions. I know that terminology is probably not a terminology that we use that much as in relation to our faith as we think, you know, buy the truth and sell it not probably don't think of it, of, uh, of our faith in uh, our salvation, maybe so much in that terminology. But uh, uh, this message, and especially this text, I've thought about it a lot. And uh, desired to preach a message uh, using that as a theme. I think it was spawned by probably two deep concerns that I have uh, for the present generation. And when I, ref when I say the present generation, um, referring maybe largely to the kingdom of this world, but not exclusively, uh, also to us all here this morning that we think about that. Um, because I think as we observe the, uh, the generation that we live in, there seems to be an unwillingness to buy the truth. And then also a willingness to sell the truth, to compromise and to sell the truth. I think it's tragic that the, the truth is largely lost today uh, to this generation the kingdom of this world if you were to ask someone in the street or just do a random if uh, you would do a, a random poll like some of our poll takers do and ask them what truth is I think it I think you would 
I don't know what all answers you'd get. But I do believe that there's, um, they have little idea what truth really is. And it's very sad. And I think it's up to us as the people of God. I think the songwriter penned those words so well when he said, Rise up, O men of God, have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. That's a call to us. It's some weighty words. Proverbs 30, 12 says, There is a generation that a, there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. That's a tragedy. When we're deceived, we have a generation, and when we're deceived by our own lives, thinking that all is well and it isn't well, and we're not really walking in truth. To give the message structure, I'd like to consider it under three subtitles. Buying the truth, the cost of the truth, and then the truth not for sale. First, briefly consider what is truth. As I mentioned earlier, it's tragic that it's lost, by and large, to the generation in the 21st century. In just a couple verses, to, uh, as verses of confirmation as to what the truth is, in John 17, verse 17, in Jesus' prayer, he said, sanctify them. His prayer was, sanctify them through truth. Thy word is truth. And he was referring to the apostles and the, those followers, and I believe it applies right down to us today. Thy word is truth. Um, and it's not hard for us to comprehend that this morning. We, we know what truth is. We say it, we know what truth is. But you can't just lift up the Bible and say, well, here's truth. That's probably not going to cut it. What's inside the Bible and how we incline our ear and our heart to truth is largely what determines, it is what determines what truth is in our own personal experience. And um, John fourteen six, the very familiar verse where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And also chapter 8, verse 32 is where he made the statement, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Verse 36 of that same chapter says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Who wouldn't want this freedom? Now, I think it was Merv in his devotions this morning spoke about the hurting. And we're surrounded by that. We know what that feels like ourselves, don't we? Sure we do. We're just honest. We know what... Experiences in life that we've went through or maybe are going through presently that maybe we're hurting someone. But the truth, if you buy the truth and you apply the truth, it sets you free. 
You can be set free of, of those hurts and those things that you struggle with. If the Son makes you free, then you're free indeed. And we need to be a, not only embracing that ourselves, considering our own lives, but also be offering that to others. Okay, moving on. As we think of buying the truth. There's a scripture in Isaiah 55. A couple verses there that that uh, I'd like to read to us here. Isaiah 55, the first three verses there, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Wonderful, isn't it? And I think that's a question that is pertinent even to this generation, to ourselves. If you're thirsting, life is empty. You haven't, you haven't had water. You haven't been drinking at the fountain of life. The invitation is there. If anyone is here this morning that's not bought the truth, the invitation is there. Doesn't cost money, it says. And then he asks the question, why do you spend time in your life on things that don't satisfy? Things that is not bread, the bread from heaven, and your labor for things which do not satisfy. And we could go on on those verses. But... Um, so we think of buying the truth. The invitation is to buy without money. Now, <clears throat> how do you buy without money? When you buy something, there's usually a cost involved. There is. It's just that way. But you know, this morning, the best thing, singular truth in life, salvation and truth cannot be bought with money. We have the count there in Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Peter is speaking to this lame individual in the temple. And uh, this individual held out his hand and, and he was begging, he wanted money. But Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We have something to offer this morning as people of God, or we should have, that is much better than gold and silver, like Peter said. And it's worth much more than what gold is worth today. Now, it's hard to convince someone that is not, has not does not have the truth of that. But we need to be offering that. We need to be holding that forth, holding forth the word of life. Then in Acts chapter 8, we have this man called Simon. We 
referred to him as Simon the Sorcerer. When he saw the, the uh, power of God at work there, when Peter came down there to um, Philippi, wasn't it? Am I right? There in Acts. And uh, Philip went down there. Not sure wherever it was, if I have that right. But um, he offered Peter money for the things of God, for the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit but the things of God, and Peter said to him, he said, thy money perish with thee because you've thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. But again, I emphasize this morning, truth, the best thing in life cannot be bought with money. But it is the greatest treasure that we can have this morning is truth. Greatest treasure that man can have here on earth. And so this morning is by the truth. The counsel is from God is by the truth, embrace it. It's the greatest treasure that we can ever possess. Jesus said in Matthew uh, 13, he was, uh, gave several likenesses what the kingdom of God is like. And one of them was, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof, he goeth and selleth all that he has and buyeth that field. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of truth. And so we have Christ's own words encouraging us. He said, it's like that. And what he was really saying is said, what he was really saying, I believe, telling us is that, you know, sell out. Sell everything you have for the kingdom of God. And uh, that means our selfish nature, who we are, our canality and all those things. And yes, even in a monetary sense, if uh, whatever is... Uh, is appropriate and whatever is according to scripture by the truth like this man that said that's what the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of truth is like a man and he finds this treasure and he's willing to sell everything he's willing to sell out so a question I have for us all this morning myself beginning have you sold out you bought the truth if you have not sold out if you have not completely sold out, if you've kept reservations in your life, you've, you know, you, you'll go so far, you've done this and you've, you've sold this and this and this. But maybe there's a little bit of things. Maybe we, we have the account of um, Ananias and Sapphira. They pretended they sold out for the kingdom of God, but they really didn't. They kept part of it back. And God sees all those things. But my encouragement to us this morning is that we sell out completely. You want to buy the truth, then it calls for a selling out completely. No reservations. You don't keep back part of the price, part of your carnality. We have that to deal with, of course, but you sell out. It's the greatest and the best investment for time and eternity. Nothing like it. 
the greatest and best investment that anyone can ever invest in. And my encouragement to us this morning is, my counsel is pay the price, whatever the cost is. Pay the price. No cost is too high. Buy it. It, it has great returns, great dividends. There's nothing like it. Okay, moving on to the cost of the truth. Well, we read there in Isaiah 55, and he was referring to the truth, even though he may not have used that, the word as such. But that's what it's referring to. Come to the truth, buy the truth. And it says it, come buy without money. Well, the good news is, of course, as I stated, you don't need money to buy the truth this morning. You don't need money. But as I think of the cost of the truth, well, does it cost anything then? Indeed, it does. It does cost something. Maybe not money, or does it? And I'm, I'll touch on that a little bit. I want to make clear, though, monetary, the monetary cost is secondary. If it costs you money to buy the truth, literally money, I would say to you this morning, that's secondary. But it does cost something. Remember, when we buy something, there's usually a cost attached. And it may not be money. But if it is, pay the price. The cost of the truth. Just give us a few verses to bring out that it does. By the authority of the scripture, I'd like to give you, tell you it does cost something. Luke 9, we have a couple verses there. Verse 23 and 24. Jesus said, and these are the words of our Lord. If any will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Do you notice the word daily in there? It's not just like we initially take up our cross when we come, when we accept the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior and we repent. But there's a cost involved, a cost for a daily. Jesus said take up his cross daily, not just a, a one-time thing. And he goes on to say, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it. If you want to save your life in the physical sense, and you compromise the truth, you're not willing to buy the truth, you're actually going to lose your life. But on the, by the, the opposite of that is, if you're willing to lose your life, then you'll actually find it spiritually the same. You'll save it. Luke 14, verse 27, he said, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Does it sound like it's free or doesn't cost anything? Again, we're not talking about a monetary cost. Not in these verses here. So what are we talking about? Denying self, the carnal nature. 
that which is within me, that which I was born with, that which you were born with, daily dealing with the first Adam, if you please, our carnal nature. So it does cost something. The Bible is very clear that there's a cost attached with following Jesus Christ. There's a cost attached with buying the truth. And you can't do it with money. Many people probably have tried down through the ages to buy their salvation and their way into heaven with money. Not one has ever been successful. Now I said I would touch a little bit on the monetary side of it, that it might cost us. There may be, very likely, if you buy the truth, and if you take up your cross daily, very likely, there's going to be a monetary cost. There's very likely, it's going to cost you some money. And it can be in many, many different ways. It can be in mission projects. It can be God moving in your heart for those kind of things. But it can also be in sacrificing other things. Jacob Kohler spoke to us on Wednesday evening about the sacrifice that is involved in the Christian life. There is a sacrifice, very much so. When Mary and I got married... Her parents offered the family farm to us, and we were delighted. It was part of our dream. I remember thinking, I'll probably live here until they carry me out. Three years later, found us at a crossroads in life. We had found, we had discovered in our search for for in our spiritual search, we, we had discovered truth. And we were contemplating, considering buying the truth. I'll just put it that way. It wasn't just an overnight thing for us. But there was a cost involved. First of all, there was great verbal opposition. It's very difficult. But secondly, secondly, there was going to be a monetary cost involved as well. It meant giving up the family farm. It meant giving up any family inheritance. Now I'll just confess, there was a great inward struggle and battle took place. It wasn't easy. Not for me. The family inheritance, that was okay. It would have been nice, convenient. But God took care of us. But for me, a farm boy at heart, the family farm was something else. And I remember so well walking the floor at night when Mary was asleep. Walking the floor, wrestling, And I realized it was going to be either 
in, in my situation. I'm not saying it's that way for everybody. In our situation, if it's going to be the family farm or God. And I say this to my wife's credit. She was a great help. She's probably struggled far less than I did. In fact, I probably said a few times, I've thought it many times, I'm not sure where we would, where we would have ended up at if she would have struggled like I did. And I'm probably back there thinking, what a carnal man. Yeah, I was carnal. I still am. Still deal with my carnality. Still have struggles. I, I live in a mortal body that's given when it has its way to struggles. And, and um, they have to be dealt with. But the point is when we have truth and we allow truth to deal with those struggles, they can be taken care of. And when we just surrender, when we kneel at the cross and we surrender, God will take care of those struggles. He did for us. He did for many others that we've witnessed. And um, were a great encouragement to us. In times like I just shared, when we were at that crossroads in life, Scriptures like uh, Mark 10 were a great comfort. Turn and read that. Mark 10. Because it's something that I think is we need to keep at our fingertips today as we as we uh, maybe pay a cost for the truth. But Mark 10 Verse 29 and 30. And the other Gospels uh, mention this too. I should, should read verse 28. You know, Peter said to Jesus one day, he said, Lord, you know, we've left everything to follow you. But he's basically saying, you know, it's cost us something. We've left everything to follow you. Well, then this was Jesus' answer. And I believe it's pertinent and very real to us today yet. Verse 29 of Mark chapter 10 is where I'm reading. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. You talk about packed verses there. Do you understand why those verses were very precious to us when we faced some of those struggles? Now, I don't profess to totally understand, especially verse 30. It sounds like, well, you do that and you're going to get much more back in return. Uh, it sounds like, you know, in the physical sense, you're going to get a lot more back than the family farm if you sacrifice that, if you give that up. That's not really what Jesus is saying. What is he saying? I'm not sure, but I know he supplies our needs. He gives us um, 
He gives us what, he need, what we need. I would say as like in verse 29 there, maybe we did sacrifice and we did family ties. But look what God has given me this morning. I have many more brothers and sisters, don't I? Than just maybe a few family ties. You think about that? God gives you much more when you become a part of the kingdom of God. As he says here, brethren and sisters, fathers and mothers. As far as the physical things, those, those need to be secondary. I will say this, maybe you think it's kind of shallow. Do you know that my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills? And you can talk about farms and lands and whatever. You know what? They belong to my father in heaven. There's a story about this old Quaker that got up one morning. And uh, he was wealthy, of course, like a lot of the Quakers were. And as he looked out of the windows of his house, he said to this, his wife, he said, All that mine eyes behold is mine. All that lieth before mine eyes is mine. And his wife said, No, no, John, she said, Thou isst wrong. You know how the Quakers talk. What thou seest has only been lent to thee. And that's precisely where we're at. It doesn't matter what we're stewards over, but whatever we have has just been lent to us. See, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all those beautiful horse farms in the Lexington bluegrass area where we were exposed to for all those years when we lived in the outer bluegrass. And I'm just carnal enough. I was always fascinated by them. But I think about those things. I think about the fact that Jesus said, when his disciples said, look at the temple, look at the magnificence of that temple and all the workmanship and the engineering that has went into that. It was impressive, of course, but Jesus said there's not one stone going to be left on the other. It's all going to be going to disintegrate and all going to be gone. And so, as we think of the truth and what the truth costs, and if we're taken up by our surroundings or whatever, the things of this life, and we are. I mean, I think you're just like me, eh? carnal. And you tend to think of those things in a carnal way. And it would be nice. The Bible calls us not to covet. It's part of the cost. Now, is that a big cost? Shouldn't be. Not if we're serving the Lord. I would suggest to us this morning that if what I have and what you have, if it doesn't continually cost us something, it's probably not worth having. And you can correct me in that, but I, I just think that I think that if uh, if our if the truth that we have bought and embraced, if it does not continually Remember, Jesus said, take up your cross daily, not just a one-time thing, not just back there when we 
that's not even, I don't think it's proper to say we sacrificed the family farm. But it was, it was a struggle. And, uh, uh, and other things as well. But that was just one thing. That was years ago. That wasn't the end of it. We're called to take up our cross daily. And I again say to you, if what you have, what I have, if it doesn't cost you something, it's probably not worth having. Now, I know you young ladies and young men, you will. Where do I fit in? It hasn't cost me that much. I, you, you may not have paid all the cost. You, you haven't. Obviously, you haven't. None of us, is, we're still alive here. That cost is not going to, I don't think that cost is going to uh, stop until we step beyond this life. It costs us something. It's not easy to face opposition and to rebuke darkness. And um, I don't know, we talked about what Jesus did there this morning talked about George Blorock. And we're not quite sure how to relate to all that and where it fits in. But I will tell you, I cannot imagine. You think it was easy for Jesus to do that? Well, maybe if he was angry enough, you know, become angry enough, we can do some things a lot easier, we think. But that's not, that's kind of beside the point. I, I, I don't know, I don't... Probably wasn't, probably wasn't the easiest thing he did. Uh, and others as well. Doesn't, you know, if you, if you, in the present day, and we have opportunities, many of them, to speak for the truth and to call down, you know, darkness. Uh, but it's not easy. We have that thing we call knots that we get inside us and you know our our tongue sticks and I know some years ago a brother was rebuking or wanted to rebuke someone and this was a man that was obviously in darkness and it was a maybe one of the first time experiences for him and you know what, the words just didn't want to come out. And finally the man looked at, at him and said, has the cat got your tongue or something? He said it taught him a lesson in prayer and seeking God's face as far as to lift up the truth and proclaim the truth and so forth. And it does. You know, we cannot expect some of these costs that are involved, if, we, if we're not prayed up and if our relationship with God is not where it needs to be, don't expect the desired results. And even then, at the best, you're going to be mocked. You're going to be... It's not readily accepted. The cost that's involved. Another man that I remember so well when he was testifying of the gospel... And he was not intimidated. But the enemy tried to intimidate him in so many ways. One person said to him, you're just at the wrong place at the wrong time. No, you're not. We're called, and I know that's addressed to pastors maybe, but preach the gospel. 
Preach in season and out of season. What does that mean? When it's easy and when it's not. And, you know, there is a cost. It's not in dollars. It's not in money. I think we made that clear in, in, uh, by the authority of the Scripture. All right, the last part here. Think about briefly here is the truth not for sale. What would you take for the truth? You see, probably most of us in the Western world and in our culture, we've never been really brought to a, a great challenge. Not as far as we think of maybe persecution, those kind of things. But I think there's a far more subtle way that we can be selling the truth. And that would be a subject and a message in itself. But I just want to make this point. When we begin to compromise on things that are not right, on Bible doctrine and, and, and things that belong to the world and does not belong to the kingdom of God, we are, in a sense, slowly beginning to sell the truth. We can do it much easier, I fear, than we realize. We think we may be thinking of, for example, the hostages in uh, Haiti. Well, they were, of course, for money, but in many other countries that, that you know, when you, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, it may cost your head. Many are giving their life for it. What would you take for the truth? We have a couple, of, I'll just give us a couple examples. And I won't turn to them, but we have there in Hebrews 11, when he refers to Moses, the man of God. Moses was not willing to sell the truth. There's a verse there in Hebrews 11 that says, he, by faith, when Moses was tried, he, um, anyways, it says he esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt. In other words, there he could have been the king's adopted son or whatever, and probably all those things were there. But you see, he wasn't willing to sell the truth for that. But now contrast that, for example, with you go to chapter 12, it refers to Esau. And it calls him a profane and a, and a fornicator. It says, for one morsel of bread, his soul is inheritance. You see the contrast there? But I want to encourage us this morning. And I you've heard me say probably many times that our messages, I think our preaching needs to always have a positive note. But for preaching to have a positive note... When it's really preached, we have to have the negative side of it too. You see, preaching today, maybe in many times, is just always on you know, positive things and so forth. We're really not fair to ourselves nor to, to each other and our listeners. We don't bring out the whole gospel, all the gospel. And so there is a cost. The truth is not for sale. Mark chapter 8, 36, 37 says, For what shall it profit a man 
If he gain the whole world and lose his own soul, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give in exchange for truth? And I'm not laying the option before, I'm not presenting the option before you, but you may very well face that much sooner than you can even imagine. You know, we live in a world that changes. Things are changing very much in relation to Christianity and, and um, the things of God. And we need to think about those things now, not wait until we face those things. I think I preached the message. It's been several years ago. When our battles won. And I just want to remind you this morning, our battles are won on our knees often before we face the real challenge. You know, Jesus, when he faced that intense battle that none of us ever faced anything like that in Gethsemane. And you know, the, the picture that's given there, how he, how he was sweating, how he cried out to God. But then the picture changes. He gets up, goes to his disciples and says, Arise, let us go. He was ready. That's just one example. That was our Lord. But when was the battle won? It was there in Gethsemane, wasn't it? It wasn't when he was first arrested and taken to Pilate's Hall and then out on the cross. And I suggest, right, say to us this morning that our battles need to be won on our knees and in prayer before we do that. And I think probably, quite probably, that um, our brothers and sisters here are hostages now. Their battle, I want to think, was won before they went to Haiti. And uh, we need to do that. The truth is not for sale. Now, just giving us a couple present day illustrations, I guess. I think of things are not for sale. Now, we, we probably all have things, even in the natural sense, that we can identify with. They're just not for sale. Probably we do. I know people are different. But I'll give you an example. After my dad passed away, I remember after he had passed away, we went home one day, and us five brothers, we went out in dad's little shop there, and yeah, we probably hadn't paid a lot of attention. We didn't know exactly what all was there, but I remember we stood there in a circle, and we looked at dad's things, and you know, Dad was always very particular, and we looked at, at his little shop there and what all was there, and what are we going to do with this? Are we going to sell it? Are we... But, you know, we looked at, for example, uh, Dad came from a family that grandpas were market people. They went to market every week, and they processed fresh meat every week. And uh, it was a lifetime hobby for Dad. Uh, after he had his own home, he, he loved to process meat. And, you know, he was always so particular with his meat processing tools and everything. And we stood there and we looked at those things, and all of a sudden I realized, you know, those things are just not for sale. We're just not going to sell those things. And there was his carpenter tool chest when he was a young man he had went carpeting and he had a 
had a, I don't know whether he had made it or not, but it was kind of unique, a tool chest, and hadn't meant that much to us. But, you know, as we looked at those things, there were some things there that just weren't for sale. They just weren't for sale. Now, that's in the natural sense. But I trust you get the point. You know, there, there's... When you, when you think of truth and the things of, there's some things in life that are just not for sale. And for us as the people of God, the truth is just not for sale. So in answer to that question, I kind of put it out there. It sounded like an option. What would you take? We don't even want to think about that because it's just not for sale. The truth is not for sale. Buy the truth, but once you have it, it's not for sale. I thought of another example, and some of you, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I well remember it when, I don't know, was it Warner Brothers Studios wanted to make a movie of the Amish in Lancaster? And, uh, you know, Harrison Ford found out, probably for the first time in his life, that with all his millions, he didn't have enough of money to buy what he wanted from those people. Their lifestyle to be put into movies and so forth, it just wasn't for sale. You get the point? Those things are just not, it couldn't be bought with money. It just wasn't for sale. And see, that's the concept. That's where we need to be. Buy the truth and sell it not. It's not for sale this morning. What we have here, what I have and you have, it can't be bought with money. There's it doesn't matter how many millions someone has and offers you. You know, settle it in your minds that it's not for sale. It just can't be bought. I would like to encourage us once more, just as men of God, to rise up and proclaim the truth. Present the truth, and you can present it to anyone, the poorest person in the country and it doesn't cost anything make that message clear proclaim the truth buy the truth you know I can't state it more clearly and more simply than what the scripture states it it just simply says there in Proverbs 23 buy the truth and sell it not let's kneel for prayer